0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the M365 Voice. My name is Sarah Hazi.
1: And I am Mike Moderati.
2: I'm Antonio
0: Mayo. All right, and we are ready to go to choose another question from the jar, if you all are ready. Ready? Okay, here we go. Um, 16 wanted to come out, so I had to work to choose one. Uh, What are Mike's favorite five PowerShell commands? Nice.
1: My favorite PowerShell commands?
0: Your favorite PowerShell commands? Because I think that you use PowerShell um infinitely more than I do. I can tell you what my favorite two PowerShell commands are, but it's a short list.
1: Okay. Well, it can't be only mine, otherwise I'll be talking alone here. It's gonna have to be all of us see what we've done with PowerShell. Okay. Oh, I gave that
0: short Wait. list as if anybody would trust me with PowerShell. Sorry, that doesn't make me sound like a incredible podcaster now, does it? Um. Hmm. Okay, does that mean you want to try and go round robin and see who can last the longest on favorite PowerShell commands? We can try that. Okay, good try. <laughs> Mike, you go first.
1: Okay, so let's let's take a step back. From a PowerShell perspective, why do we use it? And when are the scenarios that I use PowerShell commands? Uh, typically, a lot of things, there's few things that you cannot manage through the UI, whether you're using PowerShell with, in my world, most of the time, um, group management. So M365 group management, I use quite a bit of PowerShell in there. Uh, SharePoint, uh, SharePoint management as well. That a few things that you cannot use the UI to apply things or change things in the system. Uh, teams in the same way. So those are the three kind of most PowerShell modules that I use. Um, that's one scenario that I use the PowerShell for when you don't have options in the UI to go and do things. Um, the second, uh, the second way for me to put my use PowerShell is automations. When, for me, if I do something too, more than r- repetitive things, more than two three times, it is time to write the PowerShell script uh, and then just use it so we can, so I'm not just clicking through the things a few times. Um, clicking on the web, it takes time, so you're just gonna go click and next, whatever you do, it will take time. So if you're doing it, if you're doing repeated work, uh so that's basically what i use powershell for
0: Uh, that's a good introduction that's a good place to start um and who mike would typically be using powershell um like what type of role in an organization
1: so you definitely have to have uh, an administrator role whatever uh, you are conducting to so let's talk start with just the powershell module Uh, You will have, let's say, if you are doing any group management, you'll have to have a group admin. Uh, Same thing with SharePoint and Teams or OneDrive, so uh, you'll have to have administration access. So if you want to do some OneDrive PowerShell work, you'll have to have a SharePoint admin role enabled to be able to actually connect to the SharePoint tenant and then run some of the PowerShell commands. Uh, on the pnp side of powershell the parent practices for powershell you will have to kind of register that into the tenant so you have to give consent to I'll uh, give give uh, pnp if you haven't <clears throat> connected to the tenant yet you have to give mm-hmm. that consent and that's a ga so you have to be a global admin to give consent to allow running some pnp powershell on the uh, on the tenant but once you do that It goes back to the same all the way. You're going to have to be an admin, even if you're using just regular PowerShell module or the PNP, you still need to have administration access to whatever services you're connecting to to be able to perform those tasks.
0: That's a good place to start. So if we were going to talk about maybe some of the favorite or the ones that we use the most, um, this might be from the perspective of the kinds of work that we do. but I know I have a few ideas of the things that I've used PowerShell for. Um, should we start to talk about just some ideas of things that we tend to use it for?
1: Absolutely. Um, so, a few things. Uh, I'm just going to s- start with reporting, actually, is one of my favorite PowerShell scripts that I write, is, especially on the team side. Um, from Microsoft Teams, if you try to go and kind of get at some some reports basic reports on how many how many teams you have uh, number of channels who are the owners uh, what kind of back end sharepoint site you're connected that 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 team is connected to that kind of information is not available through the ui so you kind of need some some good powershell it's, it's really very simple powershell scripts that you connect to the tenant and then you go and get all your teams and from there you you go through each team and you get that information from from for each team, and you just build a CSV file, and that's your report. That's a report that I run multiple times a year, uh, and it's really really useful. That gives you quite a bit of <clears throat> kind of good good information on what you have in your tank.
0: I like it. From my perspective, one of the ones that I have experience with, I don't do a lot of executing PowerShell commands, but um, from a SharePoint admin perspective, definitely the ability, you can either go through the SharePoint admin center or you can use PowerShell to be able to Hubify your SharePoint sites. There's a PowerShell command to make that very simple, direct and easy to use. And then also if you're going to set up a home site in your tenant or certainly deploy Viva connections, you can use PowerShell if you prefer to be able to set up your home site. Now, of course, you can also do that in the uh, in the SharePoint Admin Center as well, but I know some admins prefer to go in and just execute commands in PowerShell rather than doing it through um, the GUI user interface. So for me, those are ones that I have executed before myself um, and they're very simple and easy to run.
2: I like it. For myself, I tend to use, um, been a little while, but. Uh, not too, too long since I've used PowerShell. I'll often use them for um, security audits or security investigation. So cybersecurity incident investigation on M365 environment. So if I'm investigating an incident, one of the common places that you look for data, and this is all um, I'll say started before we got some of the great capabilities that are in Microsoft Defender now. The the latest releases of Defender has made it less uh, required to go the PowerShell route. But traditionally, I would um, connect to the Exchange Online PowerShell module, and I would search the audit log. So I would use search-unified audit log in order to output audit logs with some parameters, right? And that brings back a lot of data, and then you need to bring that data into somewhere and sift through it. So often that would be Excel that you'd bring it to, right? So you'd output it some sort of a CSV file, bring it into Excel, parse it. You might write some additional PowerShell to actually parse the file to get more of the data that you need. So traditionally, that's what I would do. And I still sometimes do that, although that's less necessary because Defender um, uh, does a lot of that for you and provides some great consoles for finding those kinds of incidents and attacks. And um, so that's one. And then with cybersecurity audits, we'll often use PowerShell still to output Uh, policy listings across the various security and compliance workloads, um, as well as security settings on sites or mailboxes. You can get a bunch of that from the console, but I still like to use PowerShell for that because it gives me the raw data that I can then uh, parse and view however I want. It just gives me full flexibility on how I work with the data. And there's some parameters that just aren't shown in the GUI that I like to get just as part of my listing. So those are a couple of couple instances where I'll use PowerShell.
1: And these are very useful because going through audit logs and just getting information out of that through the UI, yes, you can, but sometimes it could be really cumbersome. So yeah. using the PowerShell is really a cool way to do it.
2: Yeah. Um, the other thing, and Mike, you probably run into this as well, Sarah, you as well, when preparing for some sort of a migration, um, we'll often use PowerShell to assess the sites and data that we're going to move. Now, there's tools out there that do it also, but I still get some comfort from doing it from PowerShell, and again, having access to the raw data um, right. in one place.
1: Yeah. so It's funny you say that because this is exactly also when I do quite a bit of PowerShelling to get some of the information out. Um, specifically, When if we're doing a migration from one tenant to another and you get all the uh, you you get some of the site properties uh, for from SharePoint and then some of the actual permissions on the site is managed by Office 365 group. So you're going to give that report to the the user said you got 5000 sites and those are the actual permissions. we got the actual M365 groups name there. They won't know who the owner is. So I go through a PowerShell, just extract uh, the information of the site to see who the members are of each each site. So we can give the client a really good report in to go and reach back to all the users to see if that site is needed or not for migration. Uh, So, yeah, I do a lot of that as well. Uh, Mostly, uh, one of what I do is around also SharePoint sites management whether you're making changes to a SharePoint site, uh, whether you are provisioning a say, SharePoint site automatically. Uh, these days, uh, we, we, we look at, uh, with, with a client, every time we provision a SharePoint site, we have to set a site property bag so we can, can use that as as in the future. This has to be done only with PowerShell. Whether you apply a site template to it or you change the theme to a site, um, and the one I like the most, or two things I like mm-hmm. the most, in when I when I manage SharePoint sites in PowerShell, one is deleting, honestly deleting a site from the SharePoint site recycle bin. It's 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 a really simple command, but it's it's always useful. And one to go and try to get some information from OneDrive. So you go and you have to kind of set change the permission on the OneDrive and then add yourself as an administrator, get the information from that OneDrive site, dump it out to a report, and then remove yourself from the admin because you're gonna have to kind of have access to a, to a OneDrive to be able to report on OneDrive information.
0: Very useful. So I have a question for you. Um, I ha- I know that I have worked with admins who have had this experience where sometimes they go in and use PowerShell commands to be able to set configuration settings. And I'm gonna pick on Microsoft Purview for a moment because sometimes when you're going into Purview and you set up config settings, it happens on occasion that things don't propagate as you would expect. And then if you go and do the same configuration settings via PowerShell, it does propagate or it propagates more quickly. Um, And I've heard of that multiple times. Have you had that experience, Antonio?
2: Very much so. So especially when you're configuring policies and purview, some of the wizards that you go through, like DLP policies I find are notorious for this. You, you're going through a, a DLP policy wizard, and then you have to go into a DLP rule wizard. And if you go forward and you go back a couple of steps, you maybe back out and go back in again, the wizard gets messed up and the policy gets kind of half created. And uh, it, it sits, And then you, you're like, okay, I'll go try to do this again because the policy doesn't show up in the list of policies, and you think, okay, maybe it just didn't get created. You go try to do it again, use the same names and it says, sorry, you can't use that name. There's already a policy with that name. And it's like, okay, so there's a policy in the backend that got created. It's not showing in the UI and I can't go change it. And now I got to come up with some other silly name and it makes my list of policies look unprofessional.
0: yeah, Yeah, we found multiple times that sometimes then going and doing it in PowerShell just makes it, it's quick, it's easy and it frankly propagates very quickly and you don't have any of that potential misstep or things getting half created, partially created or not propagating.
2: Yeah, there's other benefits to doing that too though, Sarah, you bring up a, a really good example where in some very tightly controlled environments that we've worked within where any changes to M365 Min Center, SharePoint Admin Center, SharePoint sites, um, security settings, policy settings. Um, we need to keep a record of all the changes that were performed. And yes, you could keep that in a document or some sort of a change log, but in a couple of really controlled environments, they take the approach of, every time we're going to make a change, it's going to happen through PowerShell and the PowerShell script we run to make the change. First, is testing in a test environment. When we're satisfied with it there, We run it in the production environment, so we know it was changed, and that script becomes part of our change log. So we know not only this change was applied, but here's the actual um, steps that were used to perform that change. So that's another, we've had to do that on a couple of occasions with client environments.
1: And that's a really good way to say that it keeps consistency as well. Yeah. Once you have the file of the script, and you've gone through them, and then you've tested them, and you adjusted to the appropriate outcome, using those PowerShell will eliminate the human errors through That's clicking through the UI. Maybe, like you said, you just had to go a couple of steps and go forward. Maybe you just did not type the description properly, whatever that is. Using PowerShell, it's kind of standardized the way you're going to create policies, change config, whatever that is.
2: Exactly. It
1: is the same thing over and over again.
2: Yeah, it takes a bit of work to get into a mode where you're going to do that because every time you just go, you know, make a change, it's going to take like two clicks in a UI. No, I got to go create a PowerShell script, I got to test it, and then I got to run in production. But in some cases, it's worthwhile and necessary.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, Few popular PowerShell commands are on on the Teams side, actually. Uh, What we refer to them, the the old Skype for Business uh, API that still exist in, in the Teams module. Uh, a lot of them do not exist in um, uh, in the UI. Something that you're you setting some calling policies, you're setting some policies in general in Teams. Uh, one of the things I, uh, I enjoyed the most a uh, few months ago is uh, onboarding users to Teams voice. And Teams voice, the process to onboard that it's really tedious because it takes a lot of time. It's a lot of steps to assign a phone number or a voice to to someone. And it's a lot of clicking. Um, and if you're onboarding a thousand users, you just cannot do it through UI. So uh it's a lot of cool PowerShell commands that you go. It's very simple actually. It's each each one is like a one line only, but you have to do them in 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 uh, in sequence. So you just have to go and purchase the phone number and then you have to assign it to an emergency address and you have to assign it to a user. So it's really, really simple commands. But when you just put them together, it's just you're automating just signing off Microsoft Voice to multiple users. It just like it takes maybe half a day, half a half a page of, of PowerShell script. That's it.
2: And I would say on the SharePoint side, like some of the most popular ones I see are like get-spo-site and set-spo-site because you use them to set a particular parameter on a site that might be something new, that's in preview, that's not yet available through the GUI. Um, So that those get used all the time.
1: Yeah, same same thing on on the get or set is the teams get teams or or set a team or get channels. So the get or set or new or uh, those are, my favorite ones, my most popular ones that I use the most. Um, Because yeah, you can manipulate any configuration you want with these. Uh,
2: Back in the day, I had a a PowerShell script I created. It took a ton of work to do. I think I was literally up 48 hours straight to write this, Um, but I, I used it for years afterwards. It was one that would iterate through every site collection, every subsite at the time, every list, library, folder, document set, and document or item, and collect the permissions for every single one of those levels and output it to a giant CSV file and also keep track of what level it came from. So um, once I had that, I could use that for SharePoint permission audits. And yes, there are third-party tools that output a report around that, but I wanted the data in a different format. So, I wrote this PowerShell script that would iterate through literally everything, and I'll put every permission in in the platform in the SharePoint online platform. Um, and I use that for years to do uh, permission audits uh, for clients. Um so that was handy, but that was a ton of work to put together.
0: I think a lot Very of admins cool. have um, you know an area where they have their favorite PowerShell scripts stored where they've built some things to be able to leverage.
2: And what we're seeing lately is a lot of the uh, um, modules are changing and the authentication methods are changing. So that right. what I find is sometimes I go back to an old script, oh, yeah, I have a script that does this, and I go back to it's like, ah, crap, I have to edit it because the, the authentication methods now is exactly. not the product or it's a, a new version of the module. So we're starting to see that as well the last um, couple of years. Um, one thing I
1: want to touch maybe on one of my last favorite ones it's not a specific command but i've talked a little bit about pmp powershell but what i love about the pmp powershell i think the latest release was released well not the latest the release of october 2021 i think when they made it cross-platform so originally it was for sharepoint PnP, and then for cross-platform you, you, you've added a lot more uh to the api a lot to the module uh so we have over 600 commandlets where you can manage not everything in Teams, or you can still manage in Teams, you can manage in SharePoint, you can you can manage in Microsoft 365 groups. So it is a cross cross-platform cross where you can just connect to the tenant and do a lot of manipulations with PMP.
2: But when you say cross-platform, you mean cross-service within M365?
1: Yeah, yes, exactly, yeah. No, no, not cross-platform from different clouds, yeah. Cross-platform from different services within M365. Yeah,
2: that's cool.
0: Well, on the fly, we came up with a pretty good list in terms of use cases, things that we like to use PowerShell for, in situations in which we like to use PowerShell. Any final thoughts on this one?
2: If you're an admin, or or even someone that is not not maybe a pure admin, but someone who is manipulating some of these settings at, in a regular basis, it's it's really worth it, and I I, th- I would say necessary to learn PowerShell to do it because that's how you get efficient at, at um uh administering these services
1: yeah and just uh research them um, I'm sure one of us or Microsoft has written something about how to automate things in PowerShell or PMP just tons of examples on the web uh, pmp.github.io mm-hmm. is one place to go and download the PMP PowerShell um, but yeah use it it's fun
0: It's fun. I like that. That's a good note to end on. Try it out. It's fun. You'll enjoy it. Um, Thank you for listening, everybody. We'll catch you on the next episode.
2: Thanks, everyone. Thank you.